0: Hello friends. Thank you for tuning in to Daily Bible Soup. I'm your host Nate Wilcut, and I'm excited to get in to our verses today. God bless you and thank you for tuning in. Good morning everybody. I'm back from my, <clears throat> uh, excuse me, hiatus so to speak. Um, I was taking some time to uh, uh, get through the holiday of Thanksgiving and uh, wanted to snap back into doing um, our readings for the day, and today we're going to do the book of Jude, which is just one chapter, um, but we're knocking out books left and right. I'm getting a lot of the, if you will, minor books out of the way, the smaller books in the New Testament first, and then we're going to go into uh, the study of the lengthier ones. And so today is Jude, so without further ado, uh, without further ado, we're going to... Uh, start with chapter 1, the only chapter of the book of Jude, verse 1. It says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God, the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ, and called, mercy unto you, and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered, under the saints. Now I'm going to stop there for just a second. That was verses one, two, and three. First off, Jude, half brother um, of Jesus, um, and we're talking about the brother of James, who was also the half brother of Jesus, um, and uh, they are called. Uh, they they were followers of Jesus, but at one point in time they were not. Um, we see were Jesus's brothers. Back in the Old Testament, um, or I mean the Old Testament, <laughs> look at me. Back in the Gospels, <clears throat> his brothers actually kind of mocked Jesus, and uh, we'll get into that as we study those books. But know that this is a this proves that uh, his brothers even mocked him at one point in time, became followers of his, and so now we have Jude, and then we even see James uh, being. Uh, being followers of, of Jesus popping up here right here in the New Testament um, when they weren't believers at one point in time, which it would be hard to if, you know, you uh, watched your brother grow up, and uh, which I would hate to have a brother that was perfect because, man, <laughs> that would be hard. But, you know, you grew up playing Little League with your brother. and um, Granted, they didn't have Little League back then, but you get what I'm saying. You grew up playing with your brother. You grew up doing everything with him. And then he suddenly says he's the son of God and he's the, you know, he's doing these miracles. He's saying, I'm the one that's, uh, I can forgive sins, uh, on earth and then going on and on and on. It'd be hard to just snap into, okay, really? I I grew up with you. So it'd be hard for them to really start believing, um, what he was saying, but anyway, they do become converts obviously. And which is an awesome thing to know. Um, and, uh, he gives the standard greeting to mercy unto you and peace and love and, um, let them know that who he's writing to. Um, um, he loves them. He's giving them the standard, uh, greeting, um, that, that like Paul and them, they would always say mercy and peace unto you. Right. Um, which is kind of a combination of a Hebrew greeting, shalom, peace. Um, they would say that and they could, you know, you could say it when you were leaving pretty sure, but they would, uh, you know, they would say, hey, you know, shalom, peace to you. Um, and uh, they would also, you know, the grace to you would be added in. And, and so it was kind of a combination of uh, of greetings. Uh, uh, from what I've read, I believe it would be a Jewish and a Gentile version. And so <clears throat> it gives them the standard uh, greeting that they, you will see a lot in the New Testament writing. And then in verse 3, he says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once, with, uh, which was once delivered unto the saints. He's telling them to fight for the faith, and that's something we should all be willing to do as Christians. You know, the word witness in the Greek in the New Testament um, is where we get the word martyr, um, martus, and it, it means you know dying. It means be willing to give your life for the cause. Um, that's what being a witness is. It's a weightier term than just "I want to talk about Jesus." It's a risky term, saying I want to be a risk. I'm going to put myself at risk to to give the gospel to people. And we've had many missionaries and people of the faith that have died doing that. And then it's you know, and a lot of them gave the most powerful witness in their death. And people would convert seeing how strong their faith was even unto death. So the word witness, being meaning martyr, is actually a very accurate term. Um, But we're supposed to contend. It's not a wimpy thing. This is actually a fight. For there are certain men crept in unawares, verse 4, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt afterward, destroyed them that believed not. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own uh, habitation, uh, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner give themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering and vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also, these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise uh, dominion, and speak evil of dignities." Um, Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, Uh, durst not not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. Now, um, we're talking about false prophets, we're talking about the judgment of apostate people, people that defect, people that preach other gospels, people that don't believe what the Bible says, people that are in the churches, that are around us, that may claim to have the faith, but but aren't truly in the faith and truly don't hold to what the faith says and take the the uh, power of the gospel out of the situation. They don't include uh, what all is necessary to be biblically based. And these are dangerous people. And Jude is giving the reference. He's saying even when the angels disobeyed, God punished them. Those that rebelled against him were bound in chains in everlasting darkness. Um, there's some, some of these... Angelic foes that decided to raise up against God have been bound because of it. There was punishment there um, and then he gives the reference in verse five of when God delivered people out of Egypt, um, he destroyed the ones that didn't believe after that um, the the murmurers and the whatever you know he's saying that I don't put up with someone that doesn't believe that uh I don't put up with someone that I've been good to that I've I've shown mercy to that turns around and says they don't believe in me or tamper with the bible um <clears throat> he says when Sodom and Gomorrah it was a wicked terrible place um and it, they were punished you know that place burst into flames if you go back and read the old testament you know they, they were burned up um the the whole city was destroyed why was that because god rang judgment on it he's saying look god is serious this isn't a funny game um, and these guys that are coming in, these false uh, prophets, these uh, uh, the, these people that claim to be one thing and they're not. Um, verse 8, he calls them filthy dreamers that defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak uh, evil of dignities. Um, we're talking about, you know, that defy God, that blaspheme God, that speak ill even of the heavens. Um, these are people that have crept in, as it said, Unawares, they're false. They're false Christians, um, and they're they're not staying away from the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. They're indulging in these things, but still creeping in. And it's the thing about sin is, is if you get bad influences in a church body, they can sway people to do things that aren't right. And and because they have the moniker of a Christian, they think, oh, because so and so is doing it, it you know it should be okay. And it can lead to a bad place. Hopefully, people. Spend enough time with the Lord to get some strong conviction to stay away from what they know isn't right. But some people just try to write off, you know, they're like, well, so-and-so, you know, I know this guy's a Christian. So since he's doing it, I mean, surely it's not a big deal. I can just ignore it's just me overthinking things when it could be the conviction of the Holy Spirit trying to keep you away from it. These people have no respect for the heavens. They have no respect for God. Because they indulge in whatever they want, and they're going to try to pull people down with them. It said that Michael the archangel, when he was in verse nine, it said even when he continued uh, disputed against the devil, um, because the devil was trying to move Moses's uh, body where it was buried. Um, he didn't. He himself didn't just attack Satan, um, but he he said, "The Lord rebuke you." Right. He's you know. It's not that we respect Satan. You know, we we do have to understand that he has power, um, but it's all up to God on everything. It's God's authority, right? It's not about us. You know, these people that don't have respect for anything, they they think they control the narrative, and it's God that does. And he's saying even Michael the archangel knew that. Um, And he told Satan when he was trying to move the body, he didn't just start slashing at him, right? But he told him, he said, you know, the Lord rebuke you. He said, God's going to be the one that has some judgment on you we have to, the Bible says at the beginning, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And, you know, we have to have respect for God when we live the opposite of what he says, but still try to claim to be a Christian. We're spitting in his face. Um, that's not showing respect. And we're just as bad, you know, these people that are rebelling against him. He's saying they indulge in all these fleshly delights and um, they have no respect for me, and when we don't do what God wants us to do, it shows lack of respect for Him. Because if we're in church and we've heard the gospel and we heard what God hates and what God likes, and we're and we're going against what He likes, then we're messing up. Um, verse ten, but these speak these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally uh, as brute beasts, and those things they corrupt themselves. He's saying these people are just like animals; they just run off pure instinct. Um, and they aren't trying to live a holy and God filled life. They're just doing what they want to do and they don't know. And they're, he's basically saying they're just mindless beasts, you know, people that have sit in church and they've heard the gospel. They know what's, what's good about it. They know what's, uh, what God likes, what he doesn't like, but then still find a means to go out and fornicate or, uh, lie to people, steal from others, abuse people, um, they're just following this natural sinful instinct and not following what God has called them to do. And that's like a mindless beast just fulfilling what it wants to fulfill for itself. Verse 11 says, woe to them, woe unto them, which, by the way, woe is the polar opposite of the word blessed. So it means bad, bad, bad things unto them. We never want to be faced with woe. <laughs> it's a bad term. You know, um, it's, it's very strong. For they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. Um, <clears throat> when he's talking about Cain and Balaam and Korah, here's what he's talking Cain rebelled against God uh, because he didn't bring the right sacrifice. Like we go back to Genesis and Cain and Abel were... Um, bringing their sacrifices to God, and God wasn't pleased with Cain's. It's because Cain didn't do what was right. He didn't bring the right sacrifice in one way, shape, form, or fashion. Um, He didn't bring what was good to God. He didn't bring his first fruits. He didn't bring the best, whatever it was, but God wasn't pleased with it. And he would have been if he had done what was right, but he didn't. Um, So uh, Cain was in rebellion against God. He wasn't doing what was right. Balaam was a prophet that used his prophetic gift for financial reward. Um, And, you know, Balaam devised a plan for Balak, who was the king of Moab, and he was going to entice Israel into a compromising situation with idolatry and immorality, um, which was going to bring God's judgment on his own people. Um, So Balaam was wanting to get some folks punished. He wanted to introduce bad things, bad theology to a whole nation, uh, because he wanted to, uh, get God to punish them. He was going to try to make some profit off of it. Uh, he was, he was wanting, you know, cause he was wanting to get paid for leading them astray, which would have been, uh, which would have got him some money from Balak because Balak wanted bad things to happen to him. So Balaam used his gift to try to lead. He wanted to try to introduce, um. Uh, I guess it technically wouldn't have been his gift he was using, but he was a prophet that used his uh, his abilities wrongly, if you read about him in the book of Numbers. Um, but he wanted to introduce idol worship and immorality to God's people to Israel and um so that they would be in trouble with God and then you know he would get a big payoff. So he was rebelling against God, obviously. And then there was Korah, um her and two hundred and fifty uh leaders in the, in the, uh, of the Jewish people, they rejected God's leadership that, uh, he had appointed. Um, they didn't like Moses and Aaron. Uh, and so they were like, we're just going to make our own people. Like, we don't care what God says. We're going to elect who we want. And they, it cost them, you know, uh, they, they were destroyed by God. And so the point of those, uh, Examples, he's saying these people are going the same way, and there's only destruction that at the end of it, just like these these mention these uh, uh, references back to the Old Testament, verse twelve. These are spots in your feasts of charity. Spots talking about the people, by the way, these apostate believers, these people that don't really truly believe the gospel. These are spots in your feasts of charity when they feast with you, uh, feeding themselves without fear. They're just clouds, but uh, they they are without water carried about of winds, uh, uh, <clears throat> they're clouds without water carried about uh, of winds. They're trees whose fruit withereth uh, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. They're raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Um, they, these are people with no substance. They're clouds without water. They're nothing. They look what, you know, they, they look apart maybe they can maybe you think that's who they are but there's no substance to them because they don't believe the gospel and they're just milking the church for all of its worth they're just there for their own carnal reasons it's sad but there's a lot of churches full of these people that's why we test the spirits we want to discern who's legit and who's not um Verse fourteen says, and Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, "Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all, and to convince all that there that there are ungodly among them, of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him." Um, the book that this statement was. Uh, talking about enoch who walked with the lord and then was no more in genesis he had wrote and prophesied saying the lord's coming with ten thousands of his saints you know we're talking about the the judgment he says he's gonna take out these people he's already said this is what's going to happen these people that uh these hiders uh in plain sight so to speak these people everyone that's an enemy of god is going to be destroyed these people may get their carnal lusts met now by whatever they do um but the but the payoff at the end is judgment if they don't make things right with Jesus. And then it gives us an example of who these people are. They're murmurers, verse 16. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be... They who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ under eternal life, He's saying, these are people that we knew were coming, and these are people that you know they they talk good, they've got a silver tongue, they're very good at manipulating people, but don't be deceived by them. Because they're horrible people that want to lead God's people astray and they're only living to fulfill their own lusts. They're full of pride. They're full of uh, what I want, not what God wants. And he's saying, stay vigilant. You know, keep building yourselves up. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Uh, You know, stay dedicated to God and you'll help be able to discern who these people are. And then it says in uh, verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Stay focused on Jesus, because if you keep walking to him, you can't walk to anything else. Verse 22, and if some have compassion making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Um, keep trying to save people. You know, some of these people, if, if people mess up, have compassion on them, if they're willing to repent and move forward. Um, you know, but it, it says, you know, save others with fear, pulling them out of the fire. It says, but hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. When you reach in to pull people out of the fire, make sure you don't get pulled in with them. Make sure you're you're one of those that doesn't get stained too, because you you try to help, but then they manipulate you. Don't let the manipulators manipulate you. Reach out, try to have compassion on people, but if there's no, if they're really not trying to change, um, then get away from them. Verse 24, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. So be it. Um, Jesus is the only answer is what Jude's telling him. He's the only one that keeps you from falling. If we keep reaching for him, we've got nothing to worry about. Um, He has dominion, power. On everything, he owns the cattle of a thousand hills. It's all about Jesus or nothing, you know. That's what it boils down to. And if we're not chasing after Him, we're subject to be reaching for the wrong things. And and there's going to be plants in our church, weeds, uh, you know, tares among the wheat there that are going to try to pull people away. And I think it'll be planted in every church. You know, the devil's in church sometimes. You know, he's well, I think he's there all the time. They're always listening, the demonic and whatever um, trying to find a snare they can get in and they will use people that have the wrong motives to try to pull churches apart and through gossip, through slander, through all kinds of things. So it's good that we, we need to be vigilant in pursuing Jesus in order to avoid those things. But y'all, that's the book of Jude. Uh, I hope you learned something from it today. God bless you and tune in. Uh, I believe I'm going to hit it again tomorrow and we're going to start another book, but God bless you.